We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time, it's time. for Taiwan This Week. Welcome to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week. And tonight we have a special show which was recorded at a joint ECCT-ICRT roundtable in Taipei where we took a look at the outlook for November's municipal elections. On the panel was Dr Shen Fu Shong, who is a former lawmaker and a sought-after economic and political commentator. Jason Xu was also on the panel and he's a KMT lawmaker who has also worked for the Cabinet's Youth Advisory Council and the Ministry of Education's National Education Advisory Advisory Committee. And also on the panel was regular ICRT commentator Ross Feingold. So, do you think we're going to see any major changes in voting patterns this year compared with the 2014 and 2016 elections? And we'll begin with Ross. It's possible. Can you expound on that, please, a bit, maybe? I'd be happy to. Well, if, if we go back and look at the first local election after uh, first-term presidential election, so 2001... Uh, after Chen Shui-bian became president in 2000, 2009, after Ma Ying-jeou became president in 2008. Usually the party that's in power does reasonably well in those local elections. So the DPP did reasonably well in 2001. KMT did reasonably well in 2009. So if there if there is to be a shift, it would actually be changing from that precedent. But you know, it's subject to a lot of factors. Um, an important factor might be youth vote. We know that the enthusiasm of younger voters was important in 2014 because that local election occurred months after the Sunflower Movement, which mobilized a lot of younger people to get involved in politics. And also 2016, the, this enthusiasm carried over. We know that uh, Tsai Ing-wen, DPP candidates, and to a lesser extent the MPP, were very popular with younger voters. It seems, though, that this kind of enthusiasm is starting to wane, and that means voters who are going to show up at the polls are probably going to be voters who are older, maybe people with families they are concerned about economic issues, uh, or the older voters who turn out for most elections and have a high turnout rate. So uh, this election, I think, needs to turn on which party delivers the best local governance, whether it's uh, economic growth, uh, security, public safety, which is always an issue, traffic issues. Uh, but we see in recent days and weeks that a lot of the discussion has shifted to, as it often does, cross-strait issues, national status, identity, Taiwanese versus Chinese, and, and these kinds of issues. Which party could win that argument if it becomes the focus of an election the last few weeks is definitely something worth watching. Uh, but if the candidates could bring the focus back to what's important locally, whether it's pollution in, in Taichung or other similar local issues in, in, in the different constituencies, uh, either the DPP will win because they hold the m- most of these seats and they have a good record to run on, or the voters will reject them because they find their, re- their record of achievement is lacking. Right. Jason, voting patterns the same or different, or extremely different this year? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I, I have been spending the last two months on campaign trail, um, campaigning for uh, our party's uh, uh, candidates uh, for uh, county and the mayor's uh, race. And I see a fundamental shift from, especially uh, in the uh, central and southern uh, cities in, in Taiwan. And a lot of the strongholds of, the D, of DPP's areas are beginning to shift, and particularly uh, in Kaohsiung and Taichung. 
and that has largely to do with uh, the lame performance uh, with the current ruling party, and particularly on some of the domestic issues, uh, uh, including the um, uh, pension reform and uh, pollution uh, issues, and as well as some, the uh, most recent the um, uh, transi trans transitional justice scandal. And a lot of those, I think, have motivated uh, Pink Blue Camp to come out and vote. And also for the younger crowd who uh, in 2014 and 2016 supported DPP and MPP, uh, mostly uh, for the DPP supporters in their uh, 20 and 29 years old age group has also begun to shift as well. And they either choose not to vote this time or they decided to vote for MPP or, or other uh, third uh, power uh, party. So I, I indeed I see a, a fundamental shift in the voting behavior. As, uh, as a matter of fact, I believe this time we'll see a much uh, larger turnout from the people uh, above their uh, uh, 40s, people who care more about economic issues, and people who care about some of the fundament, uh, fundamental uh, uh, indicators of how our country is, is running. And, and so I believe uh, in the coming elections, uh, we might see a, a, a division or the, the, uh, the uh, dividing uh, uh, point where uh, Pembu camp will come back and then change some of the uh, existing uh, status quo. So it would be very interesting to, to watch the outcome. Right, Dr. Shen, voting patterns. Different, the same, radically different, or what do you think? I think most of them are too polite and too gentle. Uh, I, I have to predict the result of the voting on November 24th will be a landslide defeat for the ruling party. So right now we have 22 metropolitan city as well as county for election. And the, the, current, the current breakdown is green, blue, and independent are uh, 13, 6, and 3. And the result of this coming election for the worst scenario for the ruling party will be just another uh, The result will be 7, 13, and 2. You know, that's quite a difference. And to make everything simple, because among the 22 metropolitan city and the county, most of them are already pre-decided. The outcome is almost certain. And even some of them, the result may be not as expected. But the significant consequence towards that is a minimum. And it won't change the picture of the political scene in the near future. I remind you, there are only four cities or county worthwhile pay attention to. There are only four. And these four you can further divide into two categories. The category one, including city of Taipei and the Xinzhou County. These two areas are right now is the independent candidate are leading in the poll, independent. And uh, the DPP is totally out of picture. And the KMT has a slim chance, has a slim chance, but I doubt it. Slim. The word is slim. <laughs> slim, very slim. It There's a lot to improve. Okay. But, but even you lost them. Even you lost them. It doesn't matter. Okay. That's category one. But the category two, 
is very important. The category two, including Taichung City and Kaohsiung City, those have carry very major consequence for the next four, even ten years for the future of Taiwan. Right now, these two cities, you know, are ruled by the DPP. And at the beginning of this campaign, the KMT are actually behind, but they catch up very fast. And most people will consider they are tied, at that hill, tied right now. But I don't agree. I think Taichung and Kaohsiung, both of them were owned by the KMT. But then the question that people keep asking me is, if KMT has to win one, is it easier to win Taichung or easier to win Kaohsiung? And most people's answer is Taichung. I disagree. I think it's easier to win Kaohsiung. And if Kaohsiung, the KMT, win the election, then overspill effect will carry over through the entire island. So even if KMT lost both cities, it's still considered a win, but it's a small win. The reason why is KMT will still win the Yilan County and the Zhanghua County. And do you know, we should not talk about 22 and the breakdown of 13, 6, and 3. That is not, that is technically convenient, but it's not important. The reason is the size of the city and the county varies so much. You know, some of them are offshore islands, some of them are very small, and some of them is so big, it's bigger than quite a few countries in the world, you know. So, the Taichung and the Kaohsiung, Right now, it's number two and number three in population size ranking. And right now, both are ruled by the ruling party. But if that turned to the KMT, boy, that would be really shaking more vigorously than the earthquake we just had. <laughs> uh, and it also will very much decide the outcome of the 2020 general presidential election. But if a KMT lost both of them, it's a small win because the combination of Yilan and Zhanghua, the size of Yilan and Zhanghua equal to Tainan City. So it's, very, it's a very big one. It's a still very big. So even they lost, coming down, KMT both, lost both cities, it's still a little win. But for them, it will be a major, major disappointment, a big frustration because they can win bigger. Just not lucky enough, they didn't. But if the KMT win one of the two, it's a big, big, big victory. If just win one. But if they win two, both of them, boy, I think the ruling party is already dead. You know, it's a premature death, two years ahead of time. But then between the two, Kaohsiung is more important. The reason is the candidate. Now, if Han, Mr. Han Kuo-yu win the election. That is almost like throwing a match into a barrel of gasoline. You know, it will turn into fire. And uh, it will trigger, immediately trigger the reform, re, you know, the restructure or reform of the KMT. Because I secretly, you know, privately, I talked to Mr. Ma or Mr who the current chairman about the necessity of reform on the KMT. But they always say, good, good, yes, yes. But nothing changed. 
You know, right now, both the green and the blue, the parties, it's almost like a two barrel of grape juice, you know, grape juice. They have been sitting there for too long. So they turn a little bit sour or even into vinegar. And no one to touch it. People would rather drink tap water or mineral water. But Mr. Han, if he becomes the city, the mayor of the city of Kaohsiung, that is almost like a yeast throwing into the grape juice. And what happened? The grape juice will turn to the red wine. Will turn to the red wine. And then, you know, DPP is a smart party. When DPP see the KMT suddenly change from the juice to wine, do you think the DPP will stand still? No. The DPP will immediately follow. So the DPP were undergoing a major significant transformation as well. And that's good. The way I see it, that's good for the future of Taiwan. Because in the worldwide, you know, most of the major cities are looked down by the people. So the little, little, little guy, little small party, is almost like a cockroaches. You know, they're running around. But if the two major parties undergo a major reform and become a good party, good parties, and we are liked by the people, I think those roaches will be dead. You know, those crowns will stop playing like a circus. And that's what I did pray, you know, wish for. But, you know, I have to say that our panelists, you know, it's not inviting the, any, anyone coming from the, the DPP. They should. They should come here and either, either tell you the truth or try to pretend they are still winning. But it's more, make, the, make the whole discussion more interesting. We did ask. But no one dared to come. Because I knew you were coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ross, a lot to digest there. Any comeback? Is this all off the record, by the way, Gavin? You didn't say. You can say what you want, mate. Answer anything. <laughs> you, didn't, you still didn't answer the question. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't share Dr. Shun's optimism that the parties would change much as a result of the election because, at least based on past experience, when a party does poorly in a local or a national election, even if the leadership changes, they're replaced by people who sort of kind of look and think alike or at a minimum are of similar age. So we don't often see a generational change in party leadership after a party performs poorly in an election. From the, looking at it from a different perspective, though, if the KMT does reasonably well or very well, then Chairman Wu would probably say, this is all because of me and I, I should run for president based on continuity of my leadership and my wonderful policies that got us elected, um, even though the reason why the KMT might do well is more a reflection on the DPP candidates, no, no offense, legislators, you, um, than, than the policies that the KMT candidates are offering um, in, in the various elections. So uh, I don't see a great transformation in the parties or their policies if one party does poorly or, or well. Who's, who's ever responsible for doing well will take all the credit and won't change much of what they're doing. And who's ever responsible for the poor result would have to step away. So, for example, if the DPP does poorly, it might impact President Tsai's likelihood of running for re-election. She might have to give way to a different candidate from the DPP. 
Of course, that's also far away, Gavin. It's, it's, um, you know, we have to focus on November, uh, which is coming before the, the national election. But it, it is a fact, though, that it is only 14 months away. So again, we, we do see, as I said earlier, that what really should be, or preferably would be a discussion about local issues very quickly, and especially in this period that is close to the, the election, so much of the discussion is about national issues, cross-strait relations, or even Dr. Shun's analysis, which is, is if I may say, it's a national analysis. Let's not just look at Zhanghua or Elon, but let's, let's look at the vote total across Taiwan and see how many people voted for KMT versus DPP across Taiwan and what that means for uh, the next national election 14 months later. In a, in a way, I think that's really unfortunate because the focus really should be on the local government and what they can do to improve the, the livelihoods of the citizens in those jurisdictions. So, Jason, reform within the parties if certain parties lose and a more localized look at the election. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Dr. Sen, for saying what I, I wanted to say in mind. But if those words coming from me, it will be <laughs> self-efficient. Um, no, I, I think uh, this, this election has been very, very interesting. When KMT first uh, uh, announced our candidates, that Mr. Han was like a nobody, and no one really paid attention to him. And he fam famously, famously, uh, uh, famous, famously said that he couldn't even get a bowl of uh, fan from our, 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 our party and couldn't get any, any resources. But I've been down to Kaohsiung uh, several times, and I'm, I'm also from Kaohsiung. And I've, I've written in a cab where the cab driver who had been voting for DPP in the last uh, three to four elections said that he every uh, uh, passenger that he he takes he would tell them to vote for uh, mr han and i think that there's been a, a urge uh, for change for the uh, uh, people from kaohsiung and even for someone like me who grew up in kaohsiung in the night market in liuhe night market um you know in the liuhe night market now at midnight 12 a.m the night market is closing it's a strange thing that a night market closed at before midnight, and that means how bad the economy is. And I think the current uh, strategy for DPP has shifted from um, um, campaigning how well they have governed the country to um, portraying or labeling that uh, China is meddling with our election. So they are uh, in every single large scale uh, campaign events that uh, President Tsai Ing-wen went to. She always said that, oh, Chinese has put a lot of efforts on fake news and try to meddle with our election. So try to turn this election battle uh, originally from our domestic issues to uh, China or Taiwan identity uh, issues. So um, th that's the, 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 the reason why I see DPP is a little bit anxious and maybe running out of... Uh, out, running out of good ideas, and and that's an interesting thing to to see if this will will continue. And as for, as far as uh, KMT, uh, uh, I think uh, right now we want to make sure that, as uh, Dr. Sam pointed out, I think Kaohsiung uh, we must win, and Tai Taizong we have uh, a good chance to win. Uh, a lot of polls say it's fifty fifty, but from the uh, crowd that I see and also I talk to some of the uh, younger uh, generation voters, I think we have good chance. And as long as we 
can secure this too, I think we have a really, really uh, strong path uh, forward. And indeed, within our uh, uh, legislative UN caucus, a group of our uh, our more uh, younger legislators, we are uh, starting a uh, reform uh, caucus. And hopefully that um, during the election and after election, we will make sure that uh, the, the reform will begin uh, immediately. And another thing I want to, last thing I want to point out is um, voting is also a very impulsive thing. And I, I, I think whether or not we can carry this momentum and to really create real change, really depending on, you know, the next, you know, next day, if we win Kaohsiung and Taichung, but, you know, what is our overall image to the general public? I think Ross has a good point that uh, KMT is, is uh, uh, winning in some cities uh, or leading in some polls, not because we do uh, extremely well, but because uh, DPP is uh, is floundering or plunging. So I think it's important that we, we keep that in mind and continue to bring in uh, uh, new ideas and a new positive impact. Yeah. We have to take a short break now, but we'll be right back after these important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week, and we'll be continuing now with our special Taiwan This Week, which was recorded at the ECCT ICRT outside event. Right, Dr. Shen, talking about the votings again, do you think the young people will turn out to vote in this election, or do you think young people may be a bit more apathetic towards a local election than a national election? Well, young people are more enthusiastic in supporting certain candidates. So the poor... Usually, when they announce the result of the poll, they adjust the, you know, because the, the young people don't stay home and answer the telephone. They carry the uh, soji and running around. So they always adjust by the size of the population that occupied by the young people. Therefore, the poll may not be quite accurate in that respect because their voting percentage that they show up is relatively on the low side. That's the reason I predict Dr. Ko, the mayor of Taipei, the real vote that she got may be less than the poll indicate right now. But I somehow disagree with uh, both of them in talking about the local issue. I think the local issue such as air pollution or how many of the uh, coal-burning power companies should be shut down and replaced by the, uh, the natural gas, I think that may be important in the beginning of the campaign. But with only one month left before we vote, I think that becomes less important. I think now it's a general issue throughout the entire country. You should remember Taiwan is so small. It's only the size of Belgium or maybe the size of Rhode Island in the, in the state. So anything happened, it quickly spread for the entire island. So when the tide is high, when the tide is high for the DPP, say two years ago, then everyone, no matter how good you are or how able you are, is almost like swimming under the high tide. So whether you wear a pants or you wear a bikini, no one knows. But now the tide is low in favoring the KMT. So if you are swimming naked, everyone knows. And that's the reason why I say that overspill effect 
of the DPPs now is they, they do it, take the Thai wisdom and they will spill over from Kaohsiung all the way towards north. And I'd like to point out there are several characteristics of this campaign. Number one, money is not that important anymore. And that's good for the KMT. Because everyone said KMT's past campaign is all dependent on money. Now they can very proud and telling people that we are the party, can campaign and win without money. That's number one. Number two, we used to say the south is green and the north tends to lean towards blue. And every election result, we tend to say red river. You know, we go from south to the north. When the green is winning, we always go from the Zhou now to Tan River, and all the way up. And maybe go to the Tao Zhu Miao, another river. But this election, we kind of totally break down the river zoning theory. You know, I think that becomes fragmented. I think that eventually, if we, DPP takes seven city or county, that will be like Taoyuan, Xinzhu Si, and uh, maybe Jiayi Xian, or maybe Tainan Si. So that is spread from the north to the south, but it's all single and isolated. And it cannot be said about you know, the river zoning area, not anymore. And number three, I think the smear, smearing, smearing tactic of your opponent is not very effective. It's not effective. So when Mr. Mr. Han is so popular, no matter how much you attack him, he doesn't care. So is Dr. Ko in Taipei. You know, he has so much chauvinistic pig remarks on women. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. If I say the same thing, I'll be, you know, I'll be in big trouble. But it doesn't have any effect on him. So smearing or even look at the uh, dark aspect of the candidate doesn't carry much effect. And number four, the issue of independent or the issue of cross-state or the issue of interference of the PRC to this election, I think is very minimal. And those are the special characteristics of this general election. Is that good or is that bad? I consider overall it's good. So Jason, we got a bit sidetracked there, but do you think young people will be turning out on masses this election day or not? Um, it, it's interesting that if you look at the statistics and the, the polls in uh, age, uh, age demographic, you've seen a, uh, a general slide uh, in approval rate from the DPP from the age uh, 20, to, uh, 20 to 29 and then 30 to 39. And these are the the, the backbone of uh, DPP's uh, strong supporters uh, four years ago, and even you know dating back to 2014 and 2016, and the, and in, in in general, I think when Tsai Ing-wen came into power with such a sweeping fashion, and people have such a high hope on her, but then uh, in younger generation, uh, most people feel let down, and also some of the issues, it seems that she's retracting from her own more centralist uh, uh, line and she's somewhat hostages by or uh, uh, pressured by the extreme uh, groups within her own party. And so all of this kind of uh, frustrated uh, young people and that's why her um, the, the support group in that particular area is, is the rating is particularly low. But how does, does that translate to 
the uh, support for KMT, uh, not necessarily. I think this 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 election just push more uh, original KMT supporters to come out and vote who didn't vote uh, in the last election because they, you know, they, either they are angry with the uh, uh, Hong Shoutu being replaced or in certain issue that uh, a former president Ma did, uh, for example, cutting their their uh, annual annual bonus and things like that. Uh, but you know that age group is, is in general uh, somewhat uh, less politically um, driven. Some of them are more focusing on the certain policies or economic outlook or the current uh, states of the uh, the country. And so I I would see um, uh, a, a general good turnout from uh, young people, but the voting on the DPP um, would be would be less. And would be maybe uh, on the uh, city council elections. Uh, maybe some of the votes will go to uh, new new power party, uh, and and certain votes to go to the KMT uh, council members. But Ross, do you see that happening? Do you see young people voting for the new power party rather than the DPP this year? Uh, it almost doesn't matter because the new power party has relatively few candidates across Taiwan. So even if they gain a few seats and county or city councils. It's, it's not really that important, notwithstanding that they surprised uh, the electorate by winning five seats in the legislative UN in 2016. And I, I think also for them, they're not so focused on the local election anyway. They even pulled support from some potential candidates who they had talked about supporting. So probably a lack of resources. They don't have the institutional ability to, to really support candidates on the local level. Uh, but I don't think we see either party making much of an effort on what we call in English, get out the vote, GOTV, with younger people, keeping in mind that so many younger people, whether they're in university or they're starting out their working careers, are living in a place where they're not registered to vote. And there's no absentee balloting here, absentee voting here in Taiwan. So uh, unless there's a great effort to get younger people to go home where they're actually registered and can vote, then the voting turnout is not going to be high. In fact, there was even an article in the local media yesterday interviewing local people who took jobs, took a day job to work in, in polling stations where they happen to be living now because they'd rather make a few thousand NT for working one day than to go home and vote where they're registered to vote. So you, you could see... It's pretty clear there isn't much enthusiasm to get on a train or a bus and spend that money to go home and vote. All right, Dr. Shen, any comeback on Ross or Jason? Sure. I, I think the turnout rate for the young people will be low, will be very low today. Because, you know, they are, they are only crazy about the crazy Friday in Tainan. <laughs> and that's a sign that they are really frustrated about the real politics. And uh, the remaining only age group who are supporting the DPP are the people older than 70 years old. They are even younger than I, you know? And uh, if you see the demographic distribution, the people category in older than 70 are very small, you know? Are very small because the average age for men is only 76 in this country. So I think in terms of age uh, distribution, it's really not that a major effect of this election. And uh, the reason why DPP is going to do so poorly because it's a cumulative effect of the poor performance for the last three years by the Tsai Ing-wen administration. 
And although she underwent a lot of reforms with good intention, but the skill of delivering the reform or the way to speak or to describe why he wants to do that and to irritate the people who are suffering from the, this reform. G- generally speaking, the Chinese administration are poor, very poor in ruling the country as a whole. And now it's not only the midterm examination of the performance. It's really telling a sounding voice towards her that you did a lousy job. So for, one, for the past one year, I keep saying, but people don't pay any attention to what I say. I say for 2020, the presidential ticket of the ruling party, the name may not be tied at all. You know? And it's not necessarily an internal struggle or internal conflict between, between the different factions of the party. It's a possibility that this lady just simply say, I'm tired. I'm going to quit. Not anymore. You don't have me to kick around anymore. You know, I think that's a big possibility. Jason. Yeah, I think that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, uh, indeed, I think, you know, this, this country, especially uh, a lot of young people have grown impatiently with the politicians and uh, with the politics in general, especially uh, people who are stuck in this concept of uh, blue and green and you know, taking turns to govern the country for the last uh, 40 years. And a lot of people choose to express their upset by um, not voting or just uh, a lot, siding with, you know, people like Kirby or people like uh, Crazy Friday in the South, in you know, Tainan, who, who is a very unconventional uh, politician. But I think uh, it's important to realize that, um, um, oh, you know, I, I, I almost feel that, uh, you know, I feel bad for our president who indeed, as uh, Dr. Xian said, uh, she tried to carry out reform with good intention, but the delivery was so bad that it hurt the people who are fe- affected. And she, it seems that she's uh, not, not um, sympathetic to those who are hurt. And I think that's in, in general a very, very uh, worrisome or a sort of portrayed as uh, arrogance from uh, their own party. And one of their senior legislators uh, uh, by name of uh, Wu Bin Rei famously said that if you don't like DPP, don't vote for us uh, during the the pension reform. Um, He said that in public during the speech in the parliament. It is with that that arrogant attitude that the Taiwanese people are are fed up with. And even people in the south uh, where I come from in Kaohsiung, that there is always a, a saying that uh, uh, even though you are hungry, even you have not, no food to eat, you still go vote for DPP. Because the, the, the mantra of uh, I Taiwan, I love Taiwan, this mantra is like their ultimate um, um, winning, winning slogan. But I see that that is, has becoming a very, very um, um, cliche. And the current campaign tactics that Mr. Han is waging is to say we need to be able to export our goods and we need to that uh, people to come into Taiwan and we need our business to thrive. And I think it's indeed a, a big concern for most of uh, our, our, our people here in the country. Right. 
pop away from people voting for people and look at people ticking boxes for ideas and opinions. And Ross, I mean, lots of referendums this year. I mean, do you think the parties and individuals running for office should maybe putting their opinions across rather more loudly about the referendums and the issues at stake? Well, the challenge right now is that there's nine referenda on the ballot. And for starters, people are, as always happens when there are referendums on the ballot, it's not the first time, actually. People are confused about the process. So the, so the government and the Central Election Commission don't do a very good job of explaining to the public which piece of paper you take first, where you deposit it, and then where do you go to get the next piece of paper. So that's very confusing, and I think it turns off voters from voting for the referenda. But more importantly is... Uh, at least from a ruling party perspective, it doesn't matter who you are or what your beliefs are, uh, I think it's important to make your views known on the referendum because the nature of a referendum is if it passes, you as the government have to implement it. That's sort of what referendums are about. So if the government disagrees with some of these referenda, I, I think it's, it's just better for Taiwan. It's better for policymaking if the government would make its views very clear, and they could do that uh, at rallies, since all the government leaders are, are attending rallies and speaking and supporting candidates. They could do it through public service announcements. And the same would go for, for the KMT as well. If, if, if there are referendums that they support, then they should be speaking out. If there are ones <clears throat> excuse me, they don't support, they should be speaking out as well. And that wouldn't just be the municipal candidates. I would say uh, our friends in the legislature as well, because they will also have a role, whether it's uh, through budget or other types of oversight in implementing referendums uh, should a referendum pass. So it, we seem to have a disconnect where there's organizations that propose the referendums, collect the signatures, and they're operating in, in one space, and then politicians are not necessarily operating in the same space. Uh, and, and this could lead to a lot of policy deadlock, which, of course, would be very unfortunate for the business people here in the room uh, if, if the government is, is kind of in a, a period of deadlock about how to implement referendums that actually conflict with the government's policies. Jason, the referendums. So uh, KMT have three uh, cases for this referendum. And as a matter of fact, with the current um, race, I don't think referendum uh, played a, uh, a large part to it because for the uh, uh, power plants, uh, it's been scrapped. And for the imports of the uh, uh, foods from uh, 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 Fukuyama, uh, uh, the uh, uh, nuclear power plant affected area, uh, it seems that that's not so much in the media anymore. Uh, but however, I do think there would be a uh, crisis for, I think, for DPP, for the LGBT votes. Uh, certainly, um, I'm a you know uh, big champion for LGBT same-sex rights and also propose the uh, um, amendments on the law to uh, change the civil code for uh, same-sex marriage. Um, but the current... Uh, conservative groups who um, staged three um, three bills. I think uh, if one bill passed, that would basically says uh, it will create a special law outside of civil law, and then that would mean that uh, legislature, the parliament, will move to vote on this particular um, uh, issue in January in an extraordinary session, and all the LGBT groups that. Uh, originally support DPP have already uh, shared their frustration and then they vow to uh, resist uh, DPP if that was 
going to be the the case and and you can tell that a lot of uh, young people feel betrayed or cheated by uh, Tsai Ing-wen when uh, she became the president. She could have handled this issue much more uh, ably, but then she keep keep waiting and waiting. Maybe that just shows her uh, leadership style that she can't decide on things and you know, she's indecisive or she just doesn't have the political will to carry out things that uh, she thought that was romantic to say before uh, before the election or during her campaign, but difficult to do after she became the president. So all of this, I think, um, uh, out of all this uh, um, referendum cases, I would say LGBT probably would be the most watched. Uh, but for the uh, Tokyo Olympics to change the name from uh, Chinese Taipei to Taiwan, uh, that, that one DPP is also afraid to touch. And that's new MPP's uh, 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 issue, um, but you know I don't think that would affect much. Right, Dr. Shen, the referendums. Will be you ticking? Will you be ticking a box on a referendum? Well, let me talk about the homosexual issue first. To tell the truth, there are very few people in this country are against homosexual. Very few. It's not a major issue. And even you look at three issues they put in the poll by the so-called pro-family group, the words they use are very mild. You know, like, you know, you should not start the sexual education when the kids are still like eight years old, too young. Or they say the marriage is only preserved for two opposite sex. You know, only that. And so it's very mild. And uh, it's mainly supported by the uh, Presbyterian Church. And uh, so that's not the issue. But the KMT has uh, three in the poll. And the majority of that is anti-pollution. But again, I think those are, it should be issued and discussed during the campaign rather than at the level of the referendum. But who loves the referendum? Let me tell you the truth. Until a couple of years ago, the DPP loves the referendum. And in their mind, it's not referendum. In their mind, it's prepsite. You know, it's prepsite and not referendum. And the prepsite, they want to, that issue, to make the voice loud, so, so to let the international community know the will or the wish of these people wants to be independent. But again, that is somehow fail. So now they have a nine in the poll to complicate the entire voting process. So that should be reformed in the Congress, and they should learn how to do it well from Switzerland. You know, I think right now, the way they combine the, the uh, referendum and the voting together, it, it, it's, a, it's a really sneaky way. You know, they try to make the turnout rate for the prep side enough to pass them. And that's not, I think that's not good. And I think many people in this country, particularly the uh, independent advocate, they say Taiwan wants to be the Switzerland in the East. But if you really want that way, then change the prepsi rule and learn from Switzerland. You've been listening to a special episode of Taiwan This Week, which was recorded live at a joint ECCT-ICRT roundtable in Taipei, where we discussed November's local elections. 
And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on iTunes and Android podcast apps where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.